Welcome to a fresh, out-of-the-oven edition of the Goshen Sports Podcast. Speaking to you with this in these sultry tones is Austin Huff, the sports editor here at the Goshen News. Evan Leepak's kind of giving me a weird look. Evan? It's not done yet, so how can it be out of the oven? It's still cooking. Are we still cooking? Do we just put it in the oven? Is that what we're, we're going to do the oven analogy? Like a portion the, of it's already done. The start of this podcast, we're like, we're putting it in the oven. We're going to let it cook for 35 minutes, and then we're going to have George Weber come out of it, right? Wow. Yeah, there you okay. go. Little tease. <laughs> George Brimmer. George Brimmer. Why would we have him on, I wonder? Hmm. Well, he covers the cold side. If you've ever read the Goshen News, you know that. We use a lot of George Brimmer content. Uh, we had a phone interview with George uh, previewing the cold season. That starts Sunday. They open mm-hmm. with the Seahawks, man. That is a tough, tough opener. <laughs> they open with an L. Mm. Actually, the whole five-game stretch to open the season is brutal Yeah, for a team who's dealing with a lot of injury issues and some COVID stuff as well. Mm-hmm. So and we, we talked about that with George, and that'll be later. That'll, that'll actually cap off the episode. So stick around if you want to hear some Colts preview, some insights from George. He's been covering that team since 2010, so he's he's seen a thing or two at some Colts camps and preseasons. So uh, it was a good conversation with George. We hope you enjoy it. And uh, we had a good time talking to him as well. So Real stand-up guy. Yes, good, good man. So, uh, But let's – talk about local content before we get to George. Uh, week three of prep football in the books. And Evan, you were at the marquee game, the highlight game of the week, Concord Northwood. What a thriller, 30-29, to 29, minute men in overtime. Uh, your father was at the game too. Shout out Glenn. Uh, he, I'm sure he enjoyed that game as a fan. Uh, Evan, uh, you know, people always say, oh, there's a lot of ebbs and flows in a game. Like, that might have had the most ebbs and flows of a game in, in recent memory. Uh, just you never thought – you looked like Concord was going to win. Northwood rallies. Concord then scores in overtime. Northwood scores in overtime. Like, it was crazy. Take, take me through uh, the first, first-hand perspective of what that game was like last Friday. Let's see what I can remember. <laughs> it was five days ago. Hey. A lot happened. A lot um, has happened. I would say it was, it was the classic tale of two halves, you know. Concord first half really seemed like they were just going to run away with it. It was homecoming, slightly damp night over there at Jake Field, but uh, jumped out to a 20 to nothing lead. I was surprised at first because I was assuming this type of game would have been close. Northwood Concord, their first couple games of the season, they didn't score all that much. It was kind of defensive battle, so I was thinking it'd be like a 17-14 type game. But the Minutemen really rallied in the first half, looked good. I mean, they got a couple field goals, a couple touchdowns. Northwood was turning the ball over. They were making mistakes. They couldn't keep drives going. They had a couple decent drives, Northwood and Concord territory, but it didn't go anywhere. So it was, but they did get a field goal, 20 to 3, going into the halftime. That obviously helped a little bit of momentum, I think, because obviously the second half is a completely different story. So. But, yeah, uh, sounded like Ethan Evers had a big game. He did. And Caden Lone did Wes well. Wes Yoder had a big run mm-hmm. down the left sideline. Right. Nearly 70 yards. That tied the game late in the game at 23. Right. And if they don't miss the extra point or they botched the extra point, was that correct? When the, at 23, yeah. all Northwood had a chance to take the lead? Yeah. Late in the game. I mean, that's huge. Like, if they make that, right. obviously Concord had the ability to go down. They looked good on offense most of the game, and they had a good field goal kicker. Aguilar made a few field goals, so it wasn't like, oh, the game's over if not Northwood makes this extra point. Mm-hmm. But it certainly would have given them a chance to win regulation. But, yeah, that was, that was a key thing. Mm-hmm. But also late, late in the game, Concord picked up a fumble. Northwood Northwood fumbled the ball around their 40-yard line. Concord had a golden opportunity to kind of win at the end there. Mm-hmm. Couldn't get anything going for the end of regulation. But lucky for them, they figured it out in overtime. Right away, scored a touchdown from Dutton to Trudell. Pass, 10-yard pass, I ten should say. Pass. Ten yard An- touch- it's Anthony Trudell. Yep. Hunter Dutton, three touchdown passes. Correct. He was an Athlete of the Week nominee this past week for the Goshen News. Deservedly so. Had a good game, yeah. I would say. Yeah. So, and they made their extra point. They go up seven. Northwood, right away, doesn't look great to begin. <laughs> doesn't look great to begin the uh, the series there, but eventually Ethan Evers runs it in. Gets a touchdown, and instead of going for the extra point, trying to get a second overtime going, 
Andrews decides that he's going to go for the win. Go yeah. for the go for the win on the road. Complete the big comeback, but uh the Minutemen defensive line just swarmed right away. Mm-hmm. The play never yeah. never developed. You, you got that video of that final yeah. play. That was uh <laughs> never had a chance. Never had a chance. Which is too bad. I would have at least liked to have seen them have a shot, maybe throw into the mm-hmm. end zone or something like that. Right, but, have Lone run it in potentially. Yeah. Or but right away, he had, he had no chance. Yeah. Like, Miniman were in the backfield, and it was over from there. Yeah. But, yeah, it was, it was a great game. It wasn't what I was expecting it to be, obviously, at halftime mm-hmm. when it was a 17-point game. But mm-hmm. uh, credit to Northwood for not giving up, coming back, and then credit to Concord for uh, not blowing it. You know, at home on homecoming night, that would yeah. been a, that would been a rough loss for yeah. sure. So. North, Northwood this year, man. If you love dramatic, close, down to the wire games, go watch Northwood play because that's all they've played this week or this year. Man, they first week they beat Jimtown seven to six, lost to Logansport eighteen fifteen, and now lost to Concord thirty to twenty nine in overtime. Like they they're like a bounce or two away from being three and zero potentially or or they could be 0 and 3. Like this team is like we kind of, you know, preseason I was saying like this is a team that I couldn't really get a gauge on, right? Cuz it's like they're younger and but they're Northwood. Like they they don't usually look bad. Like they're usually solid and like it's hard to pick them to go 2 and 7, right? Like cuz it's just Northwood. Like it's in your brain. You can't pick them to have a bad year. And they've kind of played to that so far. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if they're good or not. They could easily be 3-0. and They could be 0-3. They're 1-2, and you know. This uh, week's going to be another probably right, close game. Goshen, and like, yeah. Goshen's 2-1. and one And, yeah, Goshen didn't look the best against Mishawaka. But guess what? No one's going to look good against Mishawaka except Warsaw, maybe Northridge, maybe Concord. And whoever Mishawaka plays in, like, semi-state. You know what I mean? Like, that's pretty much what's going to happen. Like, right. Mishawaka is making people look bad. Goshen, I thought, held their own. I mean, we can get in that game a little bit here in a minute. But, like, yeah, so the Northwood is just a weird team this year, man, where, like, every week you just never know if they're going to win or not. And I think that makes them pretty entertaining, like, all things considered. Like, at a minimum, you're going to get your money's worth buying a ticket to watch Northwood play football this fall. So, yeah. Oof. And, it, and it's a big win for Concord, too. You know, don't want to understate that. Like, if Concord wants to win the NLC, like they've talked about, you know, preseason, that was a must win for them on Friday because they still have Warsaw, they still have Mishawaka, they still have Northridge coming down the barrel. And those three teams ahead of them are really, really good right now. And Concord's also good. They got the talent. You know, I talked to Coach Kaler this week uh, for a preview for their upcoming game against Wallace C. And he just talked about, we got to fix, they got to fix those mental mistakes. You know, they got to fix. The bat snaps, the false starts, the blown coverages, right? Yeah, the, it's not a matter of the talent. The snap issue was huge, mm-hmm. I'll be honest. Like, that led to a couple turnovers for Concord. But the issue was they didn't have their starting center because of injury mm-hmm. or what it may have been. I'm pretty sure it was injury. Mm-hmm. But they didn't have him, and you could tell because mm-hmm. during the entire game they were having issues back there. So yeah, so maybe it's not as close. If they have their starting center, don't have as many botched snaps, don't right. have as many... Uh, bad plays or turnovers, but mm-hmm. I'm just you brought that up, so I was like, mm-hmm. that's that was a key that yeah. I should that I should right. talk about. So <laughs> they they uh yeah they they are you know again, Kaler basically said it's not a matter of talent you know with this team like the talent is there. He was a little disappointed they only scored seven offensive points in each game of the first two weeks. You know they just put thirty on the board. That's still a good number, but he feels like they left points out there because of those mental mistakes. I mean credit Miguel uh, Aguilar for kicking three field goals salvaging those drives of you know and three extra points too he scored 12 points in that game like that's pretty pretty good effort by him um but yeah like concord maybe they start figuring it out this week i mean this is a week if those first three games elkhart jimtown northwood they're always tough like, those are three tough teams regardless of where they're at those are teams that are going to get up to play you rivalry type games right within the county now you go down to wawasee this week and the warriors they're struggling. I mean, there's no <laughs> ifs, ands, or buts about it. Uh, they lost 42 nothing to Northridge last week. They're 0-3. Um, they haven't shown a ton of li- signs of life so far this year. They played West Noble close, but, you know, West Noble, you know, was dealing with some injuries and don't know how good the Chargers are necessarily, like, in that moment. Um, the Blazers took them out. Yeah, Eastside's really good, dude. Yeah. They're really good. It's unfortunate Eastside's in that same sectional with Bishop Lors because Bishop Lors is 
beaten six A teams right now, and they're a two A school. So, congrats to Bishop Lawrence on winning another state title. Um, wow. Seriously, yeah, they're gonna run through everybody. Um, it's bad. <laughs> it's it is what it is, but they're looking unstoppable at this point. But anyway, it's a sidetrack. Um, so maybe Concord has an opportunity this week to kind of clean up some of those things uh, before they kind of. I think they play Goshen in week five, so. That could be another game, potentially, depending on how Goshen looks after this week. Maybe fine-tune some more things before we really get back into that meat grinder of Mishawaka, Warsaw, Northridge. I know Plymouth, too. Like, Plymouth's struggling, so that could be another game. But, you know, it doesn't get easy for Concord down the stretch. Let's just say that. So, this is a chance for them right now to maybe fine-tune some things, get ready to go before they really have to play, you know, the big boys of the NLC this year. So, that'd be fun. This should be fun. Not this week, but next with Warsaw and Northridge. Northridge. Yeah, Northridge looked great again. Man, they are playing really good defense. I know Wawasee was a little shorthanded too on Friday, but man, that Northridge defense has been great. The offense is moving the ball. They have a chance. I mean, they're playing Plymouth this week. Again, that's not, Plymouth's kind of bad. Um, struggling, which is weird to say because Plymouth's, you know, traditionally a decent program. The Rockies. The Rockies. and uh, But last year they struggled. This year they're struggling too. So that's a game for Northridge. You know, they should, we talked about it last week. They should be 4-0. I mean, they should win this week. They should be 2-0 in the NLC, and then they get to go to Warsaw uh, next Friday. That'll be a big one. We'll, we'll talk more about that game next week. Warsaw plays Mishawaka this week. That's a huge game. A lot of emotions in that one. Bart Curtis, the Warsaw coach, going back to Mishawaka, his old stomping grounds for the first time. Since he left the school four years ago, I talked to the Mishawaka coach on Friday after they beat Goshen. I asked him about that, and he's like, that was four years ago. We don't have to really talk about it. Like, it's such a, you know, kind of like an overblown story. Like, they played last year, but it was at Warsaw. So there's going to be some different emotions for Bart Curtis, I'm sure, going to Mishawaka. He coached there for nearly two decades, you know, won sectional titles, led him to a semi-state, I believe. Um, at least maybe maybe one state final. I should have double fact, double checked that before I uh, could be a factor. Could be a factor. I'm acknowledging that, that that could have been a factor. I know they did. They were very successful under Bart Curtis and Keith Kinder has kept that up uh, with Mishawaka. I mean, they looked even when they lost their starting quarterback in the second series against Goshen. Man, like they plugged in the younger Fisher. Uh, Justin Fisher went out. Brady Fisher went in, and they didn't miss a beat. Man, they looked just as good as they did with Justin Fisher. And, you know, Goshen, Goshen wasn't ran off the field like it could have been. Like, they, they, they weren't – I'm not trying to sit here and say Goshen looked great because you lose 36-7, you're probably not playing a good game. But they showed moments where it was like, okay, like, they're not totally incompetent. Just Mishawaka is just that much better. What was the score last year? 45-6. So, the score so didn't change slight much. Improved. Score slight improvement. Slight improvement. much. Uh, they actually didn't play in the regular season last year, but they met in the postseason. Uh, COVID canceled that game for Goshen against Mishawaka last season, but they played in the sectional in the first round. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, Goshen had some good performances. Roman Schrock had 21 tackles and a forced fumble, and he played well. Like Defense was on the field a lot. It was. Yeah. They were. They were. <laughs> I know. And Mishawaka Still runs the ball a lot. Over 20 21 tackles. tackles is nothing easy to do. I it's mean, good. so. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how this week goes. You know, Goshen again. They go to Northwood, so that's a, just just a really interesting game. Like it's a it's a game where I don't really know who's going to win that one. You know, I think either team could pull it out. Uh, Quinn Bechtel showed himself, I think, to be the primary quarterback for Goshen, and I think Deacon Hill will still get reps at the spot. But for me, like Quinn Bechtel has to be your starting quarterback if you're Goshen if you want to win Friday night. That's just my opinion. Um, they don't, you know, I don't, I don't make that call, you know, uh, I'm sure I'll ask Maybe Kyle. Maybe you should talk to him about I'll, it. I'll talk to phone. Kyle Park about it later. I'm sure this week about it. Um, be like, hear me out. Quinn Bechtel. Yeah. 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 He'd probably be like, yes, I know who that is. Um, <laughs> he's a quarterback. Um, oh, so, okay. Yeah. So also uh, just kind of a quick whip around Lakeland got their first win last week. They kept the, they kept the milk can over Prairie Heights, 34, nothing 18th straight year. Prairie Heights must be very bad at football. Mm, consistently very bad, yes. The yeah. Lakers have won the milk can 18 years in a row. And uh, 
it's like I said last week, it's like the rivalry between the Hammer and the Nail between Lakeland and Prairie Heights recently. So, with Lakeland being the Hammer, of course, that's the joke. Yes. It's not much of a rivalry when... Uh, it's a big know. Hammer and a small Nail. So, yeah. Uh, so, Lakeland gets Garrett this week. That's a game where maybe the Lakers can hang around. We'll see. It's because Garrett got whipped pretty good by Busco. Yeah, Busco is traditionally a strong team, but... They've kind of struggled the last couple of years, so I don't know. Garrett, you know, it could be a winnable game for Lakeland. Who knows? Maybe they're going to turn around here a little bit. Um, you score 34 points in a game, you got to feel good about, you know, maybe the direction you're going in. So, Fairfield suffered a tough loss to Central Noble Friday night. Uh, Falcons are 0-3. They get to go on the road to Fremont on Friday, and Fremont lost to Osceola Grace. Um, so, it's probably a dub. Could be a win for Fairfield. Should be maybe a win. They're struggling a little bit too, but you know Central Noble's three and zero, so that could be. A, they're maybe, they're the surprise team in the NECC this year. Feels like there's always at least one. Kind of comes out of nowhere in the NECC this year, and that looks like it's going to be Central Noble so far this year. Does West Noble have a chance to get to five hundred this week? They are playing. Good question. Angola. Angola's coming to town. Um, maybe. Angola's one loss was by like a hundred to like you know a really good. Uh, I think they played Leo or someone like that, like someone really good. Um, Are they two and one now? Angola is two and one. Yes. Mm. So that'll be an interesting. Uh, That's an intriguing matchup. You don't know which way it's going to go. Yeah, I would probably favor Angola, but I don't know, man. West Noble could they could pull one out at home. That's not you know out of the realm of possibility. So I know Sheila would be thrilled. Um, <laughs> It's an interesting week. Like, the whole schedule is just very, like, no one's playing close to us. It's very strange. Like, the closest game to our office is at Northwood, in Scotia at Northwood. But, like, Fairfield goes to Fremont, you know, Concord at Wawasee, you know, West Noble's hosting Angola. That's still about a 25-minute drive. You know, Lakeland's at home. That's still a 35-minute drive from our office, right? Like, and they're all playing, like, kind of, like, None of, our, none of our coverage area teams are really meeting up except the two that we're going to, like, two of the three we're covering, which is Concord, Northwood, or Concord, Wabasee, and Goshen, Northwood. So it's a very weird week where, like, it was kind of hard kind of hard to figure out which games we're going to, like, the third game we're going to cover this week was going to be tough. The first two were pretty easy, but the yeah. third game. So we'll be at Lakeland Garrett. Uh, Steve Crow will be out there with Joe Weiser, our staff photographer. You'll be with uh, Sam Householder on Friday night, Concord at Wabasee. You get to meet Sam before you cover Notre Dame with him on Saturday. So there you go. Maybe. And I might meet him. Brand, uh, you're going to have spots in the you're going to have spots in the press box next to each other to work. So on and, a Friday. Huh? Yep. And then I will be at Goshen at Northwood with uh, Brandon Beachy. So stay tuned for our coverage from those games on Friday night. So hmm. anything else you want to talk about from football? Does that feel like a good ending spot right there? I would love to know more about this Sam Householder guy. <laughs> I think he used to work here. Former staff guy. Former former staff photographer. Done oh. some freelance stuff for us in the past. Had a kid last year. So, you know, held off on doing freelance stuff because of that. You know, be a dad and whatnot. Um, and the pandemic, obviously, too, affected, you know, that as well. Mm-hmm. So, but he's going to be, hopefully... You know, when we need an emergency fill-in uh, spot, he could be available, and you know, so he's a good guy. I like Sam. In my interactions with him, he's been uh, an enjoyable uh, freelance photographer for us. Is he a solid photographer? Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. That's no, good. he's terrible, but he just takes photos. So no, Sam's great. Sam's great. Just a nice guy. If you're listening, Sam, you're his great. His photos are terrible. Yeah, his photos are terrible, but he's, but he's a, a nice guy. guy. <laughs> right. Right. He says please and thank you. That's all I really care about. So. Uh, more state rankings came out this past week. We're going to run through some of those teams ranked in our area. We'll start with boys soccer. Northridge up to number nine in the 3A poll. And, uh, no, so now that, that sectional at Goshen this year, the 3A boys soccer sectional, currently has number seven Elkhart, number eight Penn, number nine Northridge, number 19 Warsaw in it, along with Goshen and Concord, who are both pretty solid teams. So, like... Who's good? Like that sectional is just absolutely loaded. Once again, I mean, this it's been loaded every year I've been here at least. So this is nothing new. But like to physically see like four rank, four top twenty teams in the same sectional, and then Goshen and Concord 
are no pushovers. Like those are going to be teams that are going to give you a tough game. You saw Goshen, you know, take a draw with Northridge. You know, Goshen's played Elkhart to one zero. You know, so these are games that are like all going to be one goal games pretty much between those six teams. That section of that first week of October is going to be fantastic. It really will be. It's going to be some great soccer that week. Um, so I'm intrigued to see Northridge, man. We talked a lot about I mean, I think we said this last week, but there's so much talk about them losing all those players, losing all the seniors. But they are, once again, like right there, Lawrence Baltzer's got that team ready to go, and they're top ten in, this, in the class again. Like it's just unbelievable what he's done this season. That's a testament to the to the program that he has built and, the, and those kids buy into what that program represents. I mean, they've been one of the standard bearers of the NLC the last five years, and they're doing it again this year. So It's hard to uh, be really solid when you lose nine of your 11 starters. Yeah. But uh, evidently, the guys behind, you know, really picked up a lot from the starters from last year because they really haven't missed a beat. Obviously, the first game was tough. That's right. the first game, and it was right. a really good team. Right, you're playing the state defending state champ in the first game. Like it's going to be issues, but I mean they beat they beat Elkhart or they beat Penn. Sorry, they played Elkhart close. They only lost their Chesterton and Elkhart, I think, at this point. No, they lost to Warsaw as well on on Saturday. So they have three losses. That was in a tournament, so that's, that does not count for the NLC record, I believe. They're going to play Warsaw again in like an actual conference match coming up here soon. So, I mean. They're right there. I mean, they're right there, and you know, they have just as good a chance as anybody would in that sectional. It's just amazing. Um, Northwood's still in the top 20 in three A's, or in two A's, well, excuse me. They're 15th. They played one game last week, 1-8-0 over Lakeland. Uh, Carlos Alvarez, four goals. He was also an Athlete of the Week nominee. So was Michael Wheelan, Northridge boy soccer. Yep. Athlete of the Week nominee. We're building to who our Athlete of the Week winner was. I don't know if you've been sensing that pattern in this podcast. We're going to build with announcing the winner. We've named None of, we have not named the winner yet. Three of the five. We have not named the winner yet. Um, so, yeah, those teams are playing well. Northwood, it looks like, you know, they just got to get, they gotta get healthy, you know, clean it up a little bit. They play Wallace tonight, Wednesday night. So, it's another chance to maybe get a victory and kind of build that momentum back up. And there are, that sectional with them in West Noble, you know, you just, you just, it's going to be interesting. I think that's a sectional that could go to anybody as well. I mean, they're all pretty even in that, I feel like, you know. So, that'll be another intriguing one to kind of follow come. Uh, Obviously, first. boys soccer started well, did they not? Uh, they're kind of struggling a little bit. They are they have some good wins, but they're also, like, they lose, they've lost a couple of games. So, like, they're about 500 right now. <laughs> Excuse me. Woo, that came out of nowhere. Um, <laughs> anyway. Wow. Anyway, um, boys cross, the cross-country polls are also out. Um, on the boys' side, Northridge is currently 15th, while Goshen is 17th. And, and, and uh, that's a little surprising, just because Goshen, you know, went 7-0 and in the NLC head-to-heads uh, last week. And Goshen also won the Harrison invite on Saturday. Uh, both of those races were won by Drew Hogan, senior Goshen boys runner who's also an Athlete of the Week nominee this past week. Oh, no. <laughs> so we're down to one person left if you've been following. <laughs> so, you just gave um, it away. Gave it away. I might have, Well, if you knew who the five nominees were before, we started talking. You do know who won. Um, it'll also probably be on social media before this podcast makes it to the airwaves. So It's probable. That's fine. That's fine. Um, so, yeah, uh, Hogan won three races this past week. He's doing well. And, you know, go should I think – their ranking is more so a victim of, like, they haven't um, ran in as many big events as Northridge did early. Northridge ran into a couple big invites. They went down to Terre Haute and raced at the state course in a big invite to start the year. You know, they've gone to Fort Wayne once or twice. You know, they ran in a couple of these bigger invites. Goshen was in the Penn invite, too, but they didn't run Hogan or Cole Johnston. Both those guys were out. They were actually taking their SATs that day. Of course. So their scores, you know, their their time wasn't as indicative of what they will be putting up consistently. Um, so that win at the Harrison Invite, I think, was kind of like a almost a reminder, I think, across, like, the state. Like, hey, you know, we're here. Like, we're still good. Like, Hogan's running sub-16 consistently now. The, at the, the, big, the, two big, the two big wins from this past week, 15-59, 15-33. 
So if he can keep it under 16, he's got a good chance to win pretty much every race he's in except when he gets to go run against uh, Isaiah Sturry from Angola. Yeah, you know, so Which is fine. Like, everyone's going to lose to him. You know what I mean? It's like, there's nothing wrong with that. The guy ran a 14.55. You'll see weekend. him in the Olympics one day, probably. He probably will. I mean, the guy ran a sub... Like, he's running sub-five-minute miles on average. That's insane. That's insane. You're saying you can't run a sub five minute mile? I can't run a sub fifteen minute mile, okay? <laughs> I I'd be on my lap, my first lap, he'd be done, okay? You couldn't finish a mile, maybe. You'd, you'd tap out. Yeah, like, I would have to start walking. This. I'd be like, I'm done, I'm out of breath. Um it's too much. Uh yeah, so I, I said at the beginning of the year, like that the cross country season for us is on the boys' side, is probably the deepest of the sports that we cover, just because Goshen's really good, Northbridge is good. Concord has a couple of kids that are really good. Anthony Roberts set a school record, uh, fifteen fifty-five on Saturday at the Marion. What are the at the Marion invite? Um, Northwood has a couple of good runners. Like this is a really stacked area. West Oble's Grant Flora is a good runner as well. He's going to be a little overshadowed in the NECC because of Sturry, but I mean Flora is still a very good runner. He could get the state. There's no doubt about that. You can never really count out Westview. They're just a program that always. Just turns out runners, turns out runners, um, like butter. Turns and, them out. Um, so yeah, that's gonna be it's gonna be fun. You're gonna be at um, some NECC running Wednesday night tonight at the, before this recording or after this after this recording. Get to see Isaiah Story run in person. I actually have never seen him run in person. So you're gonna like watch him cross the line, and then turn your head and wait another minute for everyone else to come across the line. So that's gonna be cool. I'm sure I'll get a photo of him. You should probably get some photos of him. Just why not? Maybe I can talk to him. We'll nominate him as Athlete of the Week, even though we don't cover him. We don't cover you, but you're just so <laughs> you're just impressive. So you're just so great. You're just like, so impressive. I'm just going to – we're mm-hmm. going to do it anyway. Right. So, so and yeah, then in the, the girl, Super Duels, right? Yeah, Super, super duels. duels. So, all the NECC teams will be there. Should be an interesting race. Um, pretty confident who's going to win the boys' individual race. Team-wise, I don't know. It's going to be fun. That's where, the, that's where the fun – Should be called cross-campus, not cross-country. Because there's no woods to run through in this in this uh, race, from what you're saying, or do they run through some? woods? I'm not sure. I've never never they seen a race in Lakewood, so that's what makes a good cross country race, you know? Right. The terrain, Oxbow Park. Yes. Very woody, woodsy. So, uh, and then the girls girls cross country pole, Northridge checks in at 24th. They also went seven and zero in NLC. Uh, meets last week, the duel, the super duel kind of thing that the NLC does now. The two, two of them each year. So shout out Northridge, being ranked in the girls and the boys cross country pool and the boys soccer pool. They're like kind of good at a lot of things, and they're ranked number seventh in the class four A AP poll in football. They might be good. They might be good at some things. And the tennis, tennis was ranked, tennis. was ranked. Basketball, you know, how's the volleyball team doing? They are now ten and three. They lost to Warsaw. So it's like they're solid. They're not ranked. But they're solid. Yeah. All around, they they're, just don't have a bad program for the most part. Yeah, yeah. They Even were swimming's good too. Swimming's yeah, good. Swimming's good. Wrestling. Uh-huh. So it's like baseball, softball. Yeah, Northridge track. Is good at everything. They're good at everything. <laughs> yeah, they, there's a reason why they keep on winning the All NLC titles. You know, um, so the boys tennis team was ranked in the top 30 until this week. That's because Goshen beat them last week. Kind of a mini upset. The Red Hawks, and by virtue of that, Goshen has entered the top 30 boys tennis poll. They are 26th uh, this week. I don't know when the last time the Red Hawks have been ranked in anything. Um, So, girls basketball maybe last year when they were playing really well. Mm -hmm. Um, But, oh, I guess cross country. We just said that. Um, But, in tennis, whoops. <laughs> well, last time they were ranked in something was two minutes ago when I yeah. said they were ranked in cross country. Um, but tennis-wise, it's very rare you see Goshen crack that top 30. So uh, that's great for them. Westview remains in the poll. They were ranked tied for 15th. Uh, the Warriors, they look dominant. Again, man, they are clicking on all cylinders. Um, they are a team to beat. We're going to say that every week, I know, but like they're the team to beat in that sectional, in that regional, and they got as good a chance as anyone in that semi-state if it's them and like Fort Wayne Carroll or Fort Wayne Homestead. Like the Westview's got a, a puncher's chance and then some to win. So it's going to be 
it's going to be fun to see them kind of go through the season. If they can manage the expectations, I, I'm confident that they will be able to. But, hey, maybe Goshen is that team that gives them the toughest fit. I think they played earlier this year already, though. Westview won 4-1, I believe. You know, Westview beat Northridge 3-2 earlier. Those are two, you know, Goshen and Northridge appear to be the teams, and maybe Concord as well. Concord's playing well, 3-0 in the NLC. Goshen 3-0 in the NLC. Those two teams play next Tuesday. Um, might be there. Maybe. We'll see. Likely. Probably. Uh pretty much decides the NLC championship more than likely. So yeah, it's fun. It's kind of fun to, to see it all play out and uh, we'll, we'll see how that all shakes out. You know, that last week of September, first weeks of October when this, when the playoffs start getting going there for uh, boys tennis. So, mm-hmm. and of course, Northwood girls golf perpetually ranked in the top 20. I believe they checked in at 17 again this week, won the Northern Lakes conference championship. You were there on hand for that last week. And, uh, yep, they're pretty good. No stopping them. No stopping them. Concord's a pretty solid team, too. And I think Concord actually had a pretty good day shooting Mm -hmm. under 200 like they did, but they still lost by nearly 30 strokes. Right. That's just because that's how good Northwood is. Now, now Northwood might face some competition in the NLC invite this weekend. Warsaw had a better team score than them at um, the Lady Bronco Invitational last week. On the, over the weekend, that Warsaw beat Northwood by two shots, so it's not out of the question. Maybe Warsaw, you know, sneaks up and wins the NLC tournament this weekend. It'll be interesting to see. You know, maybe maybe Northwood just had an off day. You never know. So Northwood beat Warsaw by 13 in the you know the nine hole match. So um, it's anyone's game. And then you know after this weekend. You have a couple random kind of like nine-hole matches next week, and then sectional is next Friday, the 17th. Yep. How crazy is that? At Cobblestone in Kendallville. And then Saturday is the one with Northwood and Wawasee down at Winona Lake Stonehenge uh, Golf Course. It's a very interesting golf course. I like going down there. It's kind of cool. So, yeah, this is up to – I mean, I I still – I'm not going to not pick Northwood to win the NLC because, like, you're kind of a fool if you don't pick them to win. Right. Right. So it's like, okay, I'm, but like, hey, maybe Warsaw. Ben Oak's an interesting course, man. That back nine is not the easiest in the world, uh, speaking from experience. So I'm also not good at golf, but like I played the front nine kind of well. So um, we'll see. We'll see. So um, we've, we've announced four of our athletes of the week. Now it's Nominees. time to announce Now it's the time to one. officially announce the winner. The Gosha News. Athlete of the Week, presented by Play It Again Sports, this week is, drumroll, Sydney Stutzman of Fairfield Volleyball. Congratulations, Sydney. Woo! Yeah. Golf clap. Sydney Stutzman, it was a nail-biter of a fan vote. We were monitoring it Tuesday night. Our publisher, Doug McAvoy, was texting me every three minutes the voting updates. Uh, it was a close race, and Sydney... The, the Fairfield community rallied in the last hour to vote her as the winner. So congratulations to her. Sydney had a really good week. She had 78 total assists. She is kind of like their main setter on the team, obviously, including 57 in three matches at the Shondell Invitational at, at Ball State University. This Shondell invite, they bring in the best teams from across the state. I mean, they played, they played Muncie Burris, who is traditionally – historically the greatest program in the state for volleyball. And then they played Evansville Memorial. So that's a long drive from Evansville to Muncie. Yeah. Uh, you're literally going across the state and north. Um, so they played some tough teams in three matches. They went one and two. And so, you know, you, you get some really good competition. And then earlier in the week, they played Angola, who's probably the best team in the NECC this year. They're ranked in 3A. They're going to win their section almost likely. So... Fairfield went one and three last week, so the record wasn't great, but they played four of the best teams they're going to play all season yep. last week. And Stutzman still averaged, you know, they played a total of 10 sets, so she almost averaged eight assists a set. It's a pretty good average. It's um, going to prepare them for the rest of the season. That's right, for sure. right. Fairfield notoriously plays a tough schedule in volleyball. They are one of those programs in the state. They've, they've earned some, um, I don't know what the word is, like cachet. That's not right. What a word to use. Cachet, yeah, that's what you came reputation. Up they have a reputation. Like yeah. they're kind of like Northwood Girls Golf, where like they're always kind of in the mix to you know, win a, like regionals and 
Northwood's always in the mix to go to state and girls golf, right? So they've kind of earned some like, oh, we invite Fairfield to the tournament because we want good teams in the tournament. So Fairfield plays a tough schedule because they're Fairfield. Mm. Preps them for that 2A sectional, 2A regional run. Uh, this year, it's a little different. That 2A, you know, Wapahani's out of there now, which is great. But Andrean's coming in in that regional, who's very strong. So that regional will be interesting. And with Fairfield, obviously Fairfield has to get there first. We're, you know, don't want to put the cart in front of the horse, but like. Put the horse. The, you don't no, want to put the cart in front mind, of the horse. You live, be, you live in Amish <laughs> country long enough, Evan. Come on, you got to know what that. Is I was reference. trying to be funny, and I completely screwed it up. Oh, there you go. So yep. that sounds like most of my jokes. If you want to, if you want to watch, don't land. If you want to watch Evan's more prepared routine, he's at the Chuckle Hut Thursday afternoon at uh, two o'clock. So where's that? Napanee. There's no Chuckle Hut. Yeah, sure, <laughs> there is. There's no Chuckle Hut. Um, we can make one. We can anyway, open one right here. We're kind of sidetracked. This is a. This is like a. An ad read almost for Sydney Stutzman, winning athlete of the week, and uh, once we'll again be going out there to take a photo. We will take a photo with today. her. And see it on social media. Running the Thursday paper, and once again, the athlete of the week is brought to you by our friends at Play It Against Sports. Sydney also receives a twenty dollars gift card to Play It Against Sports. So thank you, Play It Against Sports. Did I say it enough there? Play It thank Against you. Sports. Thank you. Play It Again. Play It uh, Against sports. sports. Play It Again. Best sports. place to get some. Uh, Pre-owned athletic uh, gear. That's not, all, that's not all they sell, I don't think. They sell other things. They sell like stuff that isn't pre-used. I, but I think it's mostly reused, I think. Baseball gloves, golf club, baseball gloves, gloves, golf clubs, uh, anything you pretty much need. Have you been need. to a plate against sports? I have been to a plate against they sports. They sell clothing? Like not reused. They do sell some clothing. Not reused clothing. Yeah, I've only been, I've, the one in uh, the one in Elkhart, right in front of the Concord Mall. I've been to that place a couple times. So that's a sad spot. Well, the Concord Mall is a little. That's what I'm saying. It's not used to the be Concord Mall is a sad spot. But the play it against sports is not small. It's not a sad spot. Nope, because it's our great sponsor. They are. So thank you again, Play It Against Sports. Uh, give their business to them next time you can. And Sydney will be getting, like I said, a twenty dollars gift card to them. So cool stuff. Um, before we get into George Bremer interview, we need to talk about Notre Dame. At least come, a little bit. The Irish, they came, they saw, they almost they tried fall, to lose. They almost faltered. <laughs> uh, they they tried to choke it away, uh, but they they won. And forty one thirty eight in overtime. Evan, we watched that together on Sunday night. Uh, you're the Notre Dame reporter analyst now, so you give your insight on the game, and then I'll give my dumb fan commentary comments. So. Oh no, I have to talk more. It's I'm my sorry. favorite thing to do. I know um, I carried this podcast in that sense. I'm sorry, but you gotta talk uh, Notre Dame for like I carried them <laughs> at least two minutes. At least two what minutes. What a game, huh? Let's let's. We were both watching it with Glenn. It kind of started out the way I expected. Florida State's been really bad <laughs> the past plays. few years. Five plays, ninety yep. seconds, it's seven nothing, and you're like, okay, this one's over. Michael Mayer running into the end zone to make it seven nothing Notre Dame very early. And Florida State's offense looked terrible the first first quarter there. You know, first few drives, I'm like, this is going to be a blowout. It's not even going to be close. Mm-hmm. But, you know, momentum's weird. That crowd at Florida State was ridiculous. Oh, you know, the stupid oh, chop. But it is nice to see those crowds back, right, after right. not having that last year. Right. That's been a main emphasis. Even as, even as a Florida fan, you had to appreciate the Florida State's full crowd again. Yeah, I don't like it, obviously. Right. I hate the chop. I like the uh, the thought of that happening. Like, mm-hmm. I like the fact that it is happening. I don't like it, though. Does that make sense? Right. Right? That's kind of your viewpoint. So I did like how they, um, you know, had that big big thing for to honor Bobby Bowden at halftime, spelled mm-hmm. out his name and everything. That was cool. But, yeah, Florida State... They just got things going. Big run, 89-yard touchdown, momentum swings, and then you have a close game the rest of the first half. And then going into the second, Notre Dame kind of flexed their muscle in the third quarter, 21 unanswered points to uh, make it 38-20 when they were down Mm -hmm. at halftime. Well, actually. Early third quarter. Yeah, they were down early third quarter. Right. Yes. 
So, and that really felt like it was it. Like it yeah. felt like okay, here, here, this is what we kind of expected the first half, maybe to be close with the crowd and everything, and Notre Dame is going to kind of put their stamp on it. And it felt like that was it. I think I even tweeted at that point: Notre Dame looks like they're going to be okay, folks, because they look like how we expected right. to go. It's like right. thirty-eight twenty. Florida State's folding, and I totally it's jinxed over. Them. Right, because they went for it. At, Florida State went for it on that fourth and three at their thirty-yard line. It yeah. was like, what are they doing? And then Notre Dame quickly scores like two plays later, and it's 38-20 with like six minutes left in the third or whatever. And you're like, okay, like this is it. Like Notre Dame's won this game. They're going to run out the clock basically. Like they're going to stop Florida State, run out the clock essentially, and it's going to be it. And then none of that happened. So, no. Because Notre Dame decided to stop playing defense. So, and offensively, the rhythm and momentum they built was completely gone. Jordan Travis. He, uh, he wasn't great the whole night. He was kind of erratic, but he did have a couple of nice rushing touchdowns. And the big thing was when, when they scored the first touchdown to make it 38-28, they got that two-point conversion, 10-point game. And then, uh, you know, the real story came in, right, after that, McKenzie Milton. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I thought at first he was just going to come in just for that play. Like Jordan Travis's right. helmet comes off. If that mm-hmm. doesn't happen, Milton doesn't even come in. Right. But from right away, first first play, throws a dart, perfect pass. He just looked super composed back there, which is it's a miracle he's even playing. Right. You know, we had heard it enough during the telecast. Yeah, Joe Testor made, yeah. made sure to remind you every two seconds. This guy almost lost his leg three years ago. Played football, artery damage, yep. blood damage. He wouldn't walk without pain. He yeah. wasn't supposed to walk without pain. Yeah, and now here he is, leading the Seminoles to a maybe an upset win of the number nine team in the country. What a yep. moment! Yeah. So it's supposed to be a storybook thing, you know? Right. It's like this is setting up for right. a big upset. Notre Dame's gonna lose this game. You know, it's this over. is how it's supposed to be, right. and especially after. Mayor drops that pass that would have put them in field goal position at the end of regulation right. when it was tied at 38. Door has the leg. He had a good chance of making it. Probably would have made it, It would honestly. have been about a 45-50 yarder, but he could yeah, have made it. Yeah, easily. Instead, goes to overtime, but credit Notre Dame. They do what good teams are supposed to do. Shut them down on defense the first possession, and then, you know, Norvell ices his own kicker. <laughs> he, makes, he makes the longer kick and then misses the shorter one. And that sets up an opportunity for the Irish, and uh, Dora ends up knocking it through a 41-yarder, and they uh, escape Tallahassee with a big victory because that would have been that would have been a tough loss to yeah. open the season for sure. So Jack Cohn looked great, 26 of 35, 366 Game yards, manager. Game manager. four touchdowns, yeah. and the one interception was like an uh you know the hail hail mary, mary thing at the yeah. end. So that doesn't almost count. So he was as advertised. You know, not everybody was sure how he was going to look, but he looked fantastic. Mm-hmm. So especially, especially Michael, Michael Mayer, he had nine catches, over 100 yards of touchdown. Kevin Austin looked good. Joe Wilkins contributed. Mm-hmm. So it was nice for the wide receivers that haven't. Obviously, the tight end, Meyer has had Mayer has had a pretty good. On one day, <laughs> I'm always I, I'm always thinking it's like Michael Meyer Mayer. Right. You know, I'll get it down eventually. They're gonna start playing the Halloween song after every catch he makes yeah. in Notre Dame Stadium. Yeah, right. so they did it last year, so get ready to get it wrong again. Well, that'll help. That, maybe that'll help me out then. Michael oh, Mayer. Yeah. But uh, obviously he was expected to be good, but it's good to see the wide receivers also look good. Kyron Williams didn't run as much on the ground, but he had a lot of catches, six catches, including that big screen pass in the second half. That helped set up the touchdown that he later scored. So, you know, obviously there's a lot to clean up. Defense wasn't great at points, but the offense showed that they can be explosive, and they ended up winning. That's that's all that matters at the end, you know. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, it was an incredibly entertaining game, like – just watching it, if you were a casual sports fan watching that game, start to finish, it was there was always something going on, which was awesome. You know, it's just a fan. I don't think I would have expected 79 points to be scored uh, going into that game. So, that was fun. And, you know, I think Notre Dame, like, you could be happy with the win, but they obviously know they have the things to work on. Uh, Blake Fisher's health at left tackle is a question mark now. Michael Carmody... Is going to start. Blake Fisher wasn't on the depth chart this week. They just released it Wednesday morning. Um, you don't have Paul Malala anymore. He tore his other Achilles tendon. That is just so sad, man. Yep. Tore his left Achilles or his right Achilles in 2020. Rehabs, comes back, and tears his left Achilles. Right away. Oh, just so depressing. Shane, pen, Shane Simon also is Right, Shane shoulder. Simon. 
They got Prince uh, Kali. Uh, I think it's how you say his last name. Yeah, he's the freshman. He's the backup now to to Bertrand. JD Bertrand who had a great game too. Yeah. I mean, the defense looked great at times. Like that defensive line was getting after it. You wrote about it a little bit. You know, Isaiah Foskey had a great game, and Bertrand, you know, playing linebacker had a good game. And it seemed like Jordan Travis was running for his life the entire time. Like every time he dropped back, I know he's a mobile quarterback, so he's going to move around. But like, he's also not as comfortable in the pocket. And you saw that when Milton came in. Looked way more comfortable right. in the pocket. So. Milton's got to be the starter for them, I think, the rest of the season. Or until, you know, unless he starts struggling, then you go back to Travis. But I think he's got to be the starter at least this week for Florida State. Like, that would be my my opinion. Like, Milton's got to start. Travis can come in for some runs every once in right. a while. You know, it's a little package here and there. But Milton's obviously the better passer and the better game manager, has more experience, mm-hmm. more cool, calm, collected back there. Just makes most sense the mm-hmm. the most sense in my mind. Right. So Notre Dame, they don't really get uh, an easy week this week. Toledo is obviously they're not a Power Five program, but Brian Kelly says this is probably the best MAC team that they have played since he's been at Notre Dame. They're probably so gonna win the MAC for sure. They got a chance to win them or Ball State. Don't disrespect the the, the Cardinals, man. Chirp chirp. Come I'm, on. I'm going to. We're in this state. Toledo you gotta, you gotta acknowledge. <laughs> you gotta acknowledge the defending MAC champs, Ball chirp, State. Chirp. Down the road, Muncie. Um, Scored 49 points against Norfolk State. I right. know it's an FCS school, but offensively, good showing. Yeah, I mean it's going to be an interesting game. It's not a pushover for another name. Not an easy win. Um, again, if you're looking to watch that game, Peacock. It's on Peacock Premium. How fun will it be to see that place full, huh? It'll be cool. Notre Dame Stadium is one of those. You know, cathedrals of college football, right? You know, it's one of those places that people go to just because of what it is. Even if Notre Dame is bad, you want to go see Notre Dame at Notre Dame Stadium, the tradition and the honor and the prestige and all that stuff, right? It's up yep. there. You know, Doak Campbell is one of those places, too, that they just played in, you know, one of those cathedrals of college football. Garbage. I mean, you don't like it, but it's a, <laughs> it is one of the more, you know, bucket list type places for some people. To go watch a college football game. Why. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right, Florida grad, Florida grad, chill out. You only beat Atlantic by three touchdowns. I know, calm down. So Could have been worse. We gave hey, up a couple turnovers in the red zone. Missouri's 1-0. That's all that matters. Beat Central Michigan. So is Florida. Barely. 1-0. We barely beat Central Too bad Michigan. you're going to lose to Kentucky this week. Tough. We beat a middling MAC team. That's okay. We're gonna, if we lose to – it's fine. We'll lose to Kentucky. It's whatever. Um, so, yeah, Notre Dame gets Toledo this week. Peacock Premium. 2.30 p.m. Eastern kickoff. You'll be there. September 11th, 20th anniversary. Yep. Tough. I know. Have you watched Have you watched any of the... Uh, no. The documentaries? No. Seen them all over the TV? Nope. Not going to watch any of them. I'm good. I I've watched a few of them it. in my life. They're usually pretty I've watched pretty a couple. I've watched a couple, like, in past years. Yeah, and I'm the not movies, watching the movies, too. Like, United mm-hmm. 93 and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't want to watch anything this year, I think. I was six. I remember it for the most part. I have not like not start to finish day memories, but I have points of emphasis I can remember from that day. That's fine. Yep, me too. So, anyway, let's talk about not nine eleven. Um, we're gonna talk. I guess we're gonna turn to the Colts. We're gonna go to the Colts now, which yeah. is a polar opposite of nine eleven. I think. Uh, like we teased at the beginning, we talked with George Bremer from CNHI Sports Indiana. He covers the Colts. Uh, pretty well, I would say. Uh, just good content, good work. He spent some time with us yesterday on the phone talking about this Colts team. Carson Wentz, will he be ready to go Sunday against the Seahawks? Uh, replacing T.Y. Hilton, Darius Leonard, contract extension, all those other things. So Schedule. The schedule is brutal. Predictions. Uh, predictions. 17-game season now. So the record, it's really weird to hear him say, you know, what he thinks the Colts might go. So... Uh, yeah, so here he is, George Bremer. And we now welcome on CNHI Sports Indiana Director of all the sports, I guess. Um, most notably, you've seen his byline uh, covering the Indianapolis Colts. This is the one and only George Bremer. George, how are you today? Good, good. How are you guys doing today? Oh, we're doing great. Evan, are you doing good too, yeah? Doing pretty fantastic, not going to lie. That's great. That's great. Uh, George has been covering the Colts uh, since 2010, uh, full-time since 2012, so he has seen a thing or two, uh, to say the least, uh, while covering the Colts. 
Also, a local guy, 1994 Warsaw graduate, George, uh, first question, are you coming up here Friday night? Tigers at Mishawaka, big-time matchup. I wish I could be there. The football team is better than they ever were when I was around. Uh, it's, it's hard to miss all these games, but no, a little too busy, unfortunately. Yeah, you got to get ready for the Colts to uh, play the Seahawks on Sunday. How about that, huh? Kind of crazy. We're already here for the season. Yeah, I think it's going to be a pretty crazy uh, season opener. I think really, from the Colts' standpoint, they haven't won in week one since 2013, and I think that's a cloud that hangs over this franchise's head right now. Uh, it's something that it's going to get brought up a lot this week, as it should. It already has. I'm sure it'll get brought up a lot more this week. Uh, and it's a huge challenge coming up, even though the game's at home, which is rare. They haven't had many of those in week one. Uh, it's still a huge challenge against the Seattle team. Yeah. We can get into that a little bit more later, but I just wanted to ask you, kind of, like I said, you've been covering the Colts full-time since 2012. Uh, You have been there for the end of Peyton Manning, all of the Andrew Luck uh, sagas and crazy mid-camp retirements. Um, But this Colts camp, man, has been really, really interesting. Uh, Carson Wentz looks great in the first week, then he breaks his foot. Next day, Quentin Nelson, the same foot injury. You lose your two best offensive players within 20 hours of each other. Uh, Sam Ellinger gets hurt. T.Y. Hilton is injured. Everyone comes back, and then they all get COVID. Uh, like, where does this rank among like the crazier Colts camps that you've been a part of? It's it's right up there. I would say this one in 2011 are probably the two absolutely most insane. Uh, 2011 was a strike year or the lockout year. And so that year was crazy because people were literally signing and, and coming into camp and on the same day. You know, I mean, free it was like free agency was happening at the same time as training camp. The roster was changing every day. Guys, new guys were coming in. Guys were getting sent out. Uh, that was chaotic. But at least that was at least, I guess, somewhat predict- predictably chaotic. We knew that that kind of thing was going to happen because all of the offseason had been basically canceled while the lockout was going on. This year, there was a news story every day, <laughs> and there was absolutely no way to see it coming. And it was just things totally out of left field. Uh, it was probably the busiest, most eventful training camp I've ever been a part of. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing the best, the craziest singular moment, though, has to be luck, right? 2018 or 2019? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was after camp. That was oh, I guess that, the preseason. That's and, true. Uh, and and the, the, really, the funny thing about that is that preseason was fairly boring because there wasn't a whole lot of change. He had the calf injury, and there really wasn't any news. It was it was a stagnant story the whole way. And then all of a sudden, in the third quarter of a preseason game against the Bears, it became a very interesting preseason. <laughs> yeah, right. So. So, obviously, Austin kind of mentioned some of the injuries, specifically Hilton at a wide receiver. How significant is that injury going to be, and can guys like Pascal and Campbell kind of pick up that slack, in your opinion? Yeah, you know, it's it's a neck injury, so you're always kind of concerned right away. I mean, whenever whenever you hear that and you hear the word disc get thrown around, um, you know, they're obviously going to be super careful with this. They have to be. Uh, you don't want to turn this into something that, that threatens not just his football career but his quality of life. Uh, so obviously they're going to take their time and, and you know make the best of this. It doesn't sound like it's that severe. I always feel bad when I say that though because it's not my neck. I think right. it's a lot easier to say somebody else's. You know, it's not that bad of an injury when it when it's not you. Uh, but it does sound like they they expect him to be back maybe sometime in October. Uh, he's on IR, so he could be out the whole year. Uh, but I think I think so much has happened. I think that the rules still allow for unlimited. Uh, returns from IR this year so there shouldn't be anything that affects that other than than how his health goes uh it'll be interesting to see how that plays out T.Y.'s always been a guy if he can play he will he'll be back at the fastest point of of whatever the recovery timetable is all those sorts of things but again I think you have to be obviously super careful when you're dealing with a neck injury uh just to make sure that everything's as it should be before he gets back out there the receiving core is going to be interesting it's a young group I think they really expect Michael Pittman Jr. to take a big step this year. There were hints of that in training camp. But like everybody else, he didn't really get that time with Carson Wentz. They haven't had time as a first-team unit together. There hasn't been a lot to to go on. 
he's looked good in, in the windows we've seen, but it's a far cry from obviously going out there on Sunday and, and facing a team in live action for the first time. Paris Campbell's just got to stay healthy. I mean, that's always <laughs> been the question with him. He's a perfect fit for this offense. Uh, it's just a matter of can they keep him on the field. So far, so good. Uh, but we'll see how that plays out. And then I think Zach Pascal might be one of the more underrated guys on this team. I mean, every year there's questions at receiver. Every year guys get banged up. And every year Pascal goes out there and does his job and exceeds expectations. And I won't expect it to be any different this year. Yeah. Well, T.Y. Hilton is, I feel like he's maybe one of the more underrated wide receivers in NFL like the last decade or so. He's been fantastic. When he's healthy, obviously, he's had some injury issues of his own. But when he's out there, man, he is a difference maker. Uh, so the Colts definitely definitely need him, I'm sure, uh, coming back you know, as soon as possible. Hopefully, again, healthy and hopefully you know, with a neck injury that he is 100%. So, right. And obviously with, you know, the wide receiver situation being what it is, the running back situation is pretty solid. Obviously with two pretty good running backs in Hines and Taylor, how imperative will their success be with the wide receiver group being the way it is right now? Yeah, you know, I think Frank Reich always wants to run the football anyway. Like that's that's his philosophy. It's always going to be a big part of this offense. But when you look at the time that Wentz missed, you look at the fact that Quentin Nelson was out for roughly a month, Ryan Kelly was out for roughly a month. He's still not sure how that left tackle situation is going to work out. It'll probably be Julian Davenport on Sunday. Eventually, it'll be Eric Fisher. But the offensive line is not at full strength either. And so I think it's probably a little bit easier for them to run block at this point. It's just less complicated. You know, just go in there and and, and beat the guy in front of you type of a thing. Uh, and I think that that's what they're going to try to rely on early. Get that running game going. I think it could be a really big year for Jonathan Taylor. Uh, they really feel like he's made big strides, even from his rookie year when he finished his, you know, at the end of the year, he's one of the best running backs in the league statistically the last seven to eight weeks of the season. Yep. Uh, I think they feel like he's on that trajectory, and that's going to just continue to go up. We'll see. Uh, you never know how those things work out. Mm-hmm. I think Marlon Mack's going to factor into this a little bit, coming back from the Achilles. It doesn't look like he has that top gear yet. He's cutting well. And he's got good speed, but I don't know that he's got that that final kick yet back where, where he can pull away from a defense and, you know, what we saw from him prior to, to last season when he tore the Achilles. Uh, and then, you know, Hines is, I, I think he's a guy that has a very specific role. He, he can come in, he can catch the ball in the backfield, they can line him up in the slot, uh, but he can also run the ball between the tackles as kind of a change of pace. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you're going to see him do. You know, they're going to take advantage of matchups. But I think the running game is they're going to probably need to lean on that early as this offense kind of gels together and learns how to play with a new quarterback. They need that run game to come out and and kind of carry things early in the year. Mm -hmm. And we've spent a lot of time talking about the offense, George, but I want to shift focus to the defense, and I want to specifically focus on Darius Leonard. That was another big storyline coming out of early camp preseason was his contract extension. Uh, Just how big is that signing uh, for the Colts just because of how prolific he is? And he's kind of become the leader on that side of the ball. Yeah, there's no doubt. He's a leader over there. Uh, he's one of those core guys. They've now got several guys locked up. Uh, you know, Leonard, DeForest Buckner, Kenny Moore, um, just kind of core guys on that defense that they feel like are going to be part of this team in, in whatever they do here the next four or five, six years. Uh, so getting Leonard was the obviously the most critical piece of that. Every every single time we talk to him, Matty Flew says there's three most important positions in this defense, in this scheme, are the, the three technique, which is where Buckner is, the weak side linebacker, which is where Leonard is, and that nickel slot cornerback, which is Kenny Moore. So they feel like they've got their three best players at the three most important positions. But Leonard's the one that really makes it all go. He's the, the energy guy. He's the battery of this defense. There's never a moment, even in training camp, when it's like the fourth week and it's 90 degrees out there and everybody's back in school, so the stands are basically empty. And Darius Leonard's still running around out there yelling and screaming. You would think it was a playoff game if you're just watching him. And I think it wears off on this this whole defense. You can't go through a day uh, with no energy. You can't have a boring kind of practice as long as Darius Leonard's on the field. 
That's pretty amazing. He's still got that work ethic and that attitude, even though he's like $100 million richer now. You know what I mean? So I'll gladly have – I have a lot of energy too, man. No one pays me $100 million, you know, so. Still a football it, player. It, it is. So. I know. I wish I was six foot three and, you know, 260 or whatever he is. So, um, yeah. So, George, with, with everything that's happened at camp, with the injuries, with COVID, and then you look at the start of the regular season, the stretch there, I mean, it's pretty brutal what they have, the Seahawks, Rams, Titans, Dolphins, Ravens, you know, to start the season. I mean, how much of an issue will that be maybe to start the season, you know, because they're trying to figure everything out still? <clears throat> yeah, I think it's going to be a huge issue. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how they don't start slow. I mean, mm-hmm. when, when you look at the, the not just the – number of players that have missed time but the the importance of those players i mean you're looking at your your three-time all-pro left guard your two-time pro bowl center your starting quarterback who by the way is coming off a terrible season and is in his first year with the team <laughs> yeah. and you and he's missed almost all of training camp your top receiver is not going to play in this game and you don't know when he's going to be back you know i think there's there's it's almost inevitable that there's a slow start. The question is how they handle it. Can the defense keep them in some of these games? Can they pull out a game or two in that five-game stretch, winning ugly? And then can they continue to build on that throughout the year? They've, they've done this before. I mean, as I mentioned earlier, they haven't won an opener since 2013. Just a couple of years ago in 2018, they were 1-5, and, five, and right. then they rallied to make the playoffs. So I think it's a team that won't, you know, I guess if there's any, like, silver lining to, to this offseason there isn't much that's going to happen to them from an adversity standpoint that's going to really set them back I mean this team has pretty much seen it all been through it all now it's just a matter of can you kind of roll with the punches because they're going to come I don't think there's any doubt about it it's going to be a rough month or so to start this year can they roll with the punches get in the best position they can put themselves in at the end of this and then you know build through October, November, December and see if they can make something of the season what is, what is best-case scenario out of those five games? Where do they need to finish in that five-game stretch to feel good going forward, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I think you'd really want to be two and three to feel decent. Um, but I think the, the really the game that, that matters the most in all of that is week three at Tennessee. Right. I mean, you hate to say the other games don't matter because obviously every game counts. But that one, the Titans are going to be probably your chief competitor in this division. That's the game that, you know, if you get in a situation like last year where there's a tiebreaker, that's the one that's going to swing it. So if they only win one, that's the one they need to win. Mm-hmm. You, you tell me the Texans and the Jaguars aren't going to be competition for them in the AFC South, George? <laughs> yeah, it's the NFL, so you can never know. Uh, but it would be a significant surprise if either of those two teams is competitive this year. Yeah, well, that's what's so funny. Like, their schedule is like, you go week six, they play Texans, and it's like, okay, we can breathe a little bit. And then week seven, it's at San Francisco on a Sunday night. So, like, it's really not much breathing room after that. It's just an insane start to the schedule. Um, you know, we, we kind of talked a little bit about, you know, it in a sense, like, where do you think this team ends up after 17 games this year? You know, is this a playoff team? Do you want to, like, put your name on a number of wins and losses right now? Or is this team just too fluid of a situation to really get a gauge of where they're going to end up come, you know, first week of January? Yeah, I think it's just so hard to, to get a, any kind of pulse right now on this team. Because, I mean, starting quarterback is practice as of today five times I think with the team uh, in, in the entire camp you know throughout the entire preseason they have five practices they'll have three more this week it's really hard to get a feeling on what he's going to do the offense in general it, it's really tough to kind of get a picture of because you know, they haven't been out there they haven't they haven't shown you anything yet um, but I think the talent is there and I think that's the interesting part of all this if you look at them on paper if you look at this roster on paper and everybody's healthy you can see how the pieces fit together and why they were excited coming into this. But there's this cloud now hanging over. How much of the, the time that they've already missed, how is that going to affect them? And also, how is COVID going to affect this season? Because, you know, they've already had, I think, five guys in the last two weeks go on the, the COVID list. Only one of them tested positive. Everybody else was a close contact. They've, they've kind of put themselves in a precarious spot there. And it, odds are... At some point this season, that's going to cost them a game. It did last year against the Titans. It Just looking at the statistics, looking at the data that's out there, it's probably going to cost them a game this year. So, you know, I'm thinking right now like 9-8 and eight or 10-7 and seven would be a really good outcome given everything they're up against. I think if everybody was healthy, 
and it was a regular kind of run, they could win 12 or 13 games. But I don't think you're going to be able to do that with the situation as it is right now. Mm-hmm. I still got to get used to hearing 9 and 8 and 10 and 7 as like yeah. final record options. <laughs> like, you're so ingrained with 16 games. You know what I mean? It's just crazy to think about we have another game this year. It's one more game I have to watch the Bears lose. You know what I mean? So it's, it's tough. Um, but yeah. Awesome, George. Well, we appreciate your time as always. Uh, you do great stuff. You do great coverage of the Colts. I've uh, been covering them like a blanket, you know, for a decade plus now. So uh, good luck with the rest of the season. I'm sure we'll be we'll be following your stuff along on Twitter and the newspaper, all that stuff. We, you do a great job, and uh, you're a good boss, I would say, too, you know. Uh, <laughs> looking over on Notre Dame stuff, making sure we're uh, no, uh, no miscues in the Notre Dame reports as well, so. Uh, you guys are doing a great job up there with the Irish. Hopefully, they can get things going here too. They got that win, so yeah, all is well. Hey, don't give don't give up hope on the Bears. They have Justin Fields now. The yeah, bright, but they don't have they don't have Justin Fields for like the first six weeks, George. And I don't want to like have to watch the first six weeks. All right. Um, I don't yeah. So awesome, George. We appreciate the time. Thank you for coming on. Thanks a lot. Go Tigers. Yeah, go Orms. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that'll wrap up this edition of the Goshen News Sports Podcast. I want to thank George Bremer again, CNHI Sports Indiana, Her- Anderson, uh, Harold Bolton. George, what's your Twitter handle? I want to give him a shout-out before you get out of here? Sick of follow you? Yeah, at, at GM Bremer. At GM Bremer. It's pretty straightforward. Um, he does a lot of good stuff. His wife, he- wife Heather, does amazing work as well for CNHI. Um, good workers, even better parents. So, you know, uh, that'll be this week's we edition. So. Well, yeah, that'll be this week's edition of the Goshen News Sports Podcast. We'll be back next week to talk more local sports. Maybe Warsaw will beat Mishawaka by then. We'll see. Um, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about everything going on around the area then.